Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to Casual Friday. I'm Holly Fry. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. You heard us say it on this week's episode, but we're all recording from home, so Casual Friday really feels it's much more casual. Extra casual. I mean, I um, <laughs> I, I told Holly this story earlier. I uh, I have a whole routine because I've been working from home for a really long time, and I, like I have a whole routine of things that I need to do to make sure that I stay productive in this environment where I am by myself. And yesterday, when we were testing our all remote setup. Number one, we were all at home, all, uh, you know, isolating ourselves and practicing our social distancing. It was also my first day back in the office from a vacation, which was an adventure. Um, And I was like, I'm not even disguising the fact that I have obvious bedhead in this video. (laughs) This is how it is today. Well, for what it's worth, I'm sitting here in porg pajamas. (laughs) Everybody's casual sometimes. Uh, These are strange times we live in. And we kind of uh, ended up doing shows this week that kind of fit in with the strange times we're living in. Um, I specifically chose mine because of it, as I mentioned at the top of that show, which is about Max von Pettenkofer and his work uh, as an anti-contagionist, thinking that people could not just transmit disease from one another or through like a water source or whatnot. He thought a a whole lot of other stuff had to happen. That is a fascinating and strange and sort of marvelous story because he still led to a lot of uh, really important developments in public health and hygiene. But what really got Tracy uh, was that he drank bouillon that he had mixed cholera into. (laughs) Yeah. The the microbe that causes cholera, I should say. Uh, Which is funny because for some reason that didn't gross me out so much. It grossed me out a lot. I think it's really foolish. And one of the things that I wanted to mention in this in this chat that I didn't talk about in the episode because it's largely hearsay and supposition is that there are people, biographers or even scientists that have studied his work that actually think that was something of a death wish situation. Yeah. Uh, because he had lost his wife just a couple years before that, he was kind of uh, falling into a, a dark place in terms of his psyche um, that he kind of expected that he might die. Because at that point, remember, um, Hoke had kind of proven the connection between this microbe and cholera. So uh, it it is, and ultimately because he did, take his own life like he clearly was in a space where those kinds of thoughts were happening but i just don't we don't know for sure yeah uh it it's such risky behavior yeah i think the reason that it it grossed me out as much as it did um was that he is not the only person to have done a similar kind of experiment like one of the ways that people tried to connect um h pylori with having ulcers was consuming it and some of those self-experiments have been way grosser and it's like my head just sort of became this tangle of (laughs) gross experiments while I was eating and I was like this is not pleasant yeah your brain went down the chain of ick it real did Uh yeah (laughs) um yeah but then of course we we owe so much to him in terms of just like how cities are built particularly European cities a lot of them that that had significant overhauls in in infrastructure or like the development of a, a really serious infrastructure in reaction to cholera outbreak 
uh, a lot of the work that they did was based on recommendations that he made about how to build a cleaner, more sanitary city, which is pretty uh, fantastic and interesting. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's so weird because I guess it's not really weird. Like he, he was on the wrong track <laughs> in some ways. But at the same time, a lot of the things that he was saying um, had to be present in order for the disease to be transmitted. Like, those are still things that are really important to have. It's still really important to have clean water and good sanitation and like all of that. So even though those were not required factors for a person to be sick, they're still really important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was not like, because if your water is dirty, it could be carrying microbes. He was just like, oh, if you're healthy, you're never going to get them anyway. <laughs> um and if your city is healthy, it's never going to promote the fermentation of of these diseases. So uh, I will say this in talking and we'll transition to your episode uh, that you researched this week with it. When you read the listener mail about the urine tasting, I think I would rather drink cholera. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But that's just me. Everybody's got their own weights and measures on these matters. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so the episode on the development of the poison control system in the U.S. Um, is not something that was planned in any kind of conjunction with, like, the current public health and pandemic situation that we are in. Um, it was completely finished and emailed to Holly before I went on vacation, at which point the situation here in the U.S. was dramatically different. Um, so it was just a total coincidence, number one, that we wound up with kind of a public health medical history week, and then number two, that it like it is coming out at, at this point when it is. Um, I didn't realize until getting into the research that the, there being a one centralized number for people to call is a pretty new thing. Yeah. Because uh, I was born in 1975, and I know for certain that my mother had to call poison control on me at least twice. And uh, in my head, that was the same number that anyone could call. Um, I think because, like, I think the way I got this in my head was that we lived, as I've said before, in a pretty rural area. We were not served by 911. So when you saw these, like, public service announcements about calling 911 in an emergency, there was no 911 where we were. But the poison control number that we were served by was the same as it was for people in the city who did have 911 coverage, which is the whole weird thing like a weird conclusion that my brain drew from that whole experience yeah i um when i read your outline initially the story about how um chewable children's aspirin was a real problem resonated very personally because someone me may have eaten a whole bottle's worth as a kid <laughs> well here's what happened so um I think I had like a, a, I don't know, a headache or a fever or something. And I have siblings that are um, a, a pretty fair margin older than me. And so one of my siblings had opened the bottle to give me the appropriate dose. And when they did the bottle, I think the bottle cracked or something happened where they couldn't close it again. And so they dumped the pills into a little dish that was on the kitchen counter thinking I will put these somewhere safe later. And then they got left on the kitchen counter. And I was like, these are delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but that was after the shift had been made where uh, the the amount that were sold in any one bottle was small enough right. that a healthy and robust child like myself was fine. Yeah. I just had no aches and pains. I probably felt bulletproof and could have run through the neighborhood, like, crashing into things and be like, I'm fine, and kept going. Yeah, I, um... I, I'm not, I don't re- recall personally any of the times um, that my mom had to call poison control. So it's like, I've, I heard them uh, told to me by my mom. Um, and one was I had found um, fingernail polish and painted my face with it. Nice. And she wasn't sure if any of it had gotten into my mouth. Um, I ate Easter grass out of my Easter basket. Well, now they make edible grass just for children like you. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> um, and that, like, that was not, that was non-toxic. And then I think, I don't think she called poison control this time. I think she called the pediatrician, um, when I was still very young and did not really understand the difference between real and make-believe, I told her I had swallowed a pin off the ironing board, um, and she called, I think, my pediatrician and not poison control. So anyway. Uh, so you were a liar as a child is what you're telling me. <laughs> that, I did become a liar a little later when I did know what the difference between truth and falsehood was. Um, <laughs> this was more like I, I didn't quite get the grasp between things I imagined and things that were real quite yet. Uh I uh, I had some other thing, some other point that I wanted to make about poison control that I forgot. I think it was mostly related to the, the whole advent of uh, uh, safety packaging for all of these things, and how um, like simultaneously, so many of these packaging types have made it uh, much safer to have these kinds of substances in homes where there are also small children or pets or whatever. But then the counterbalance to all of that is that a lot of times it makes it hard for people to get into their own medications if they uh, are disabled or just getting older uh, and not not quite able to manipulate things as well. And like that had led to this whole uh, trying to get people accessible packaging while also making sure that's not going to lead to poisoning down the road. It's a whole it's a whole tangle. Yeah, I will say, uh, to to my mind, one of the greatest blessings of modern pharmacies are the caps that can either be childproof or regular people. That's fancy. <laughs> uh, where they flip one way or the other. I just oh. got a, a prescription for an anti-inflammatory that has, like, it screws on normally and it's easy peasy uh, for if they literally said, are there any children in your household? And I said, nope. And they said, do you want the easy side of the cap to be screwed on? And I said, yep. And so, but you can flip it the other way and it does that locking push down to open mechanism. But the other way, it's it's super simple and just a quick twist. That's very cool. It's such a simple yet brilliant invention. Mm -hmm. Praise whoever came up with it. Yeah. So that's our episodes for this week. We hope everyone is taking care of themselves. Uh, I know that not all of our listeners are in the United States and the United States is not the only place that is having widespread pandemic precautions happening right now. So regardless of where you are, I I hope that you are uh, able to keep yourself well and are spending your isolation time um, as pleasantly as is possible for you. Uh, I know we are still kind of working things out here. It is a new, whole new thing for all of us. Um, and you can write to us and e- you can write us an email if you would like. We're at History Podcast, iHeartRadio.com, and we will see you again soon. Bye.
Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.